Everybody. Hi. I'm Gage. And I'm Ray. And you are listening to Gore Report. Spooky. Spooky. <laughs> oh man, we haven't done that in a while. I know it's been a minute, like since the early days. Since the early, early, early Brings days. Brings back nostalgia. Like shitty mic quality early <laughs> days. But hi everyone. We hope you're having a good day. And a good life. And a good life, as always. <laughs> it is spooky season. Yes. The spook is upon us. Oh, the spook. Hey, I've been so ready. So ready. So, <laughs> before we get into today's episode, it is going to be a little bit different. Like we said at the end of last week, for spooky season, we kind of want to roll out some spooky, paranormal, supernatural type cases. Kind of give... Me and Ray, as well as all of you, a mental health break from all the heaviness that we've had going on the past, I guess, really forever. All of our cases kind of, like, suck. <laughs> yes, and then we're going to come back, and it's going to be even more brutal, so. <laughs> so, yeah. We just wanted to take October to do some spooky stuff. We did say in the beginning that we did want to incorporate some more hauntings and cryptids and supernatural phenomena, because that's something that yeah. me and you are both really, really passionate about, just as much as true crime. Oh my god, I used to get on my parents' nerves, because I would spend all my time on the family computer, mm -hmm. watching nothing but ghost videos. Yeah, My dad's like, you're obsessed with it! You're obsessed! I was like, you're right! <laughs> I would have been like, so what? <laughs> There's nothing you can do to stop me from consuming the spook. <laughs> But there is also one other really cool small announcement that I want to make, too. And it's kind of a thank you. Well, not kind of. It is, in fact, a thank you to all of you. Because me and Ray, our show here on Gore Report, we broke 2,000 plays. Yes! And that might not seem like a lot to most. But for us, that is it's really huge, it's actually. The fact that we've only been doing this for 18 weeks with this episode. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot, and I'm really proud of us. It, it and really I'm happy. is. But we wouldn't have been able to do that without any of you. You know, we're quite aware that no matter how good we think we are, that our show would be nothing without the people well, that listen you. every week. So you guys are awesome. We just wanted to say thank you. Thank you very, very, very much. We love you. We love you. We wouldn't trade you for nothing. <laughs> Not for nothing. You're precious. You're important. And we love you. Yes. And we'll always love you. But... Today's case will be a little bit different. You guys get to experience not one, but two stories in one episode. Today's going to be a creepy one, and it's going to be about two of the most reportedly haunted dolls in the entire world. Robert yes. the Doll and Annabelle. Yes. So I'll be telling the really horrific dark story of Robert. And I will be telling the horrifically dark story of Annabelle. And, uh, yeah, so buckle in, grab something to drink, something to eat, a little snack. maybe little some snack, snack. Maybe a nightlight or something, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, we're gonna just get right into it. So, Robert the Doll. Ugh. Robert genuinely creeps me out. Like, I'll go ahead and say that now. I do believe... In Robert. Okay. <laughs> he has always made me feel extremely uncomfortable. I don't even like looking at pictures of him. And like his story, it, it's just creepy. Okay. And another fact about Robert, um, if you're familiar with the Chucky movies, the Child's Play uh, mm -hmm. franchise, Chucky was actually based off of Robert the Doll. Oh, no way. Yeah. Robert the Doll is commonly referred to as the real Chucky. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, it's spooky. So The only thing that I really know about Robert the Doll, and this is why I'm excited for this, because I only ever knew Robert the Doll's name. I've never seen a picture of him until recently. Mm -hmm. And... I did know that you had to say sorry, Robert, but I didn't know what for. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely get into all of that. It's a lot. Robert is, 
he's just he's creepy like he's literally so creepy like after seeing his picture today i'm pretty creeped out as well like his face makes me the utmost uncomfortable like it i just i can't explain it oh god so the story of robert takes us to key west florida in the early 1900s there was a young boy by the name of robert eugene odo uh, he was commonly referred to as Gene, so for my story, I'm just going to refer to him as Gene. And he was living with his parents in a house that was referred to as the Artist House. Okay. And the house is actually still standing today. It's located at 534 Eaton Street in Key West, and it was built at some point between 1890 and 1898. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it's a super old house. Uh, so if any of you are in or close to the Key West area, you can actually still see this house today. Just a little cool fact to throw in for you oh, guys. Oh, that is so weird. So the Odo family, as well as their family servant, lived in this artist house. Like the Odo family, they were kind of rich. Mm-hmm. They had a plantation. They had a few servants. That was just the thing back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert the doll was brought into the picture when he was gifted to Jean. By one of the family servants. Okay. And I hate that I'm referring to her as family servant, but through all of my research, I could not find her name. There are some versions of this story where her name is said to be Minnie, and some other versions say some other names, but most sources just don't have her name at all. So if okay. I can't if I can't find something for fact, then I'm not gonna state it as such. So, you know, mini explanation as why I'm referring to her as family servant. Right. It's okay. really all I know to do. But uh she supposedly gifted this doll to Jean as a birthday gift. I think it was his tenth birthday. And there are a lot of people who believe that this servant had cursed the doll with voodoo or some other form of magic. And then she gifted it to Gene as kind of like an act of revenge toward his parents. Because evidently, Gene's parents, they didn't treat their servants too well. Most people didn't. Oh, man. So a common theory with this is that this servant maybe cursed this doll and then gave it to their son for his birthday as like a, you know, to get back at them. Wow. So that seems like something believable to me. Right. I don't know. Ultimately, we will never know the concrete truth. There's even another version of this story where Robert was traced, like his actual creation was traced to a German toy company called the Steiff Company. Oh, wow. And one version of this says that Gene's grandfather in 1904 went over to Germany and bought him and then came back and gave it to Gene as a birthday gift. But the most... I mean, either story is plausible. Yeah, by far the most common thing when people tell this story is the version where this servant had given Gene the doll. So that's the one mm-hmm. that I'm using because that's the one that is definitely more stated. Okay. I just kind of wanted to give you, you know, a little bit of both of what's said. Yeah, that's cool. It's up to you to decide, you know, whether you believe it or if you don't believe it. But I personally, I do believe that yeah. Robert the doll has something attached to him. Like, I do. I don't, I can't explain it, but I, I really do believe that. And I'm it might just be. I'm a big believer of paranormal anyway. So I am like... too. Like, I do approach things with a healthy skepticism. Right. But, you know, like, I've had some experiences that are a little weird. Right. And I definitely believe in spirit. I believe, right. I believe in that. I truly do. So it might just be me, but I believe that. Fucking same. <laughs> I really believe that Robert has something to him. I definitely do. But back to the story. Gene had gotten this doll for his birthday. And if you haven't seen Robert the doll, he is the utmost creepiest looking doll in the fucking world to me. Like, He's three feet tall, like he's life size, oh, and God, no. he has these beady black eyes. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not a vibe. Mm-hmm. It is not nope, a vibe. Nope, it's not nope. a vibe. So Gene, he absolutely loved this doll from the very beginning. He had a very intense attachment to it. Okay, he loved this doll so much that he named it after himself. Thus, Robert, because Gene's first name is Robert. Robert the doll is born. Over the next several months after receiving Robert, Gene grew more and more obsessed with him. Oh, no. Gene started dressing Robert up in his own clothes, dressing him in uh, one of his own sailor suits, even, which to this very day, that's what Robert is wearing <sighs> is this is this sailor outfit. Let me just add that. So, oh, cringe. <laughs> and that little bit of really creepy imagery I just gave you, you can add that uh, in Robert's arm is a small stuffed lion. 
and Robert is uh, sitting in a rocking chair, and then he has the whole sailor gig going on, and it just it just makes him that much creepier to oh, me. Oh God! Gene's attachment to this doll reached a point where his parents, as well as friends of the family, all started to get kind of concerned. Oh no! Gene would spend all of his time talking with Robert. Gene would also take Robert literally everywhere with him. Like, I mean, to the bathroom, out in public. He would even sit Robert at the dinner table with his parents and he'd ask if Robert could have his own plate. And, you know, Gene would pretend to feed him like he was literally attached at the hip with this doll. Wow. Gene treated him as if he were a living, breathing person. Gene would even always, you know, ask questions to Robert, uh, tell him jokes, and he would ask how Robert was feeling. And Gene would even hesitate in between questions and then respond as Ugh. if as if Robert had responded to his question and then he's responding. That's like, creepy. It's like he was carrying on conversation. And yes, I do understand that Gene is a child and children do that type of thing. But from what I've read on this story, it got to a point that... It was just concerning for, like, Gene's parents as well as everyone else that was around Robert and Gene. And this is only the beginning of all the scary and unsettling experiences that would manifest with Robert. Yeah. Gene's parents would say that he would sit upstairs with Robert for hours on end just talking. And there would even be instances in which Gene's parents would be downstairs and Gene and Robert would be upstairs and they would hear Gene speaking as well as another distinct voice talking back and laughing with Gene. Like, it got to a point where they would rush upstairs to see who the fuck was in the room with Gene, but every time they would do this, they wouldn't find another child or another person upstairs with Gene. It was just Robert. Sorry I'm so silent, guys. I'm just like, my jaw's on the floor right now. It's creepy. It's really, really creepy. If I remember correctly, there was a study that was done where they were trying to prove that children are more susceptible to seeing things from the other side Mm -hmm. because their growth plates on their skull aren't closed all the way. So they have an excess of oxygen around their brain. Yeah, me and you actually touched on this specifically in the Amityville Horror Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, we actually touched on that specific thing. And I believe it, like whether there's a scientific reason behind it or not or both, I don't know. Either way, I do believe that children are more susceptible to perceiving things from the other side. You know, a child's mind is innocent and absent of a lot of societal conditioning that we endure. That kind of cuts our perception to a lot of that. It kind of cuts our awareness. Right. You know, know, you're constantly being led to believe that this is make-believe and that, you know, someone isn't really there yeah societal conditioning plays a part in it and children are absent yeah. of that and then they piss themselves when they record videos of their child talking to thin air and it's like she said somebody was there so right, right. why wouldn't you believe her <laughs> right right continuing back to the story there are several accounts of gene and his parents getting woke up in the middle of the night from the sound of running footsteps up and down the hallways of their home like <sighs> gene's parents would get pissed thinking that Gene was out of bed stomping through the house, but they would get up only to find that Gene would be in his bed asleep. Uh, the sounds No of, yeah, way! Cre- creepy shit. The sounds of children's laughter and screaming would also be heard through the house on a regular basis. And if that isn't creepy enough... I just got chills down my spine. <laughs> there's this one other instance with Robert where one night, Gene's parents got woken up by the sound of Gene screaming and crying. They got up, ran to Gene's room, and his room was basically ransacked. Furniture had been moved. Different toys and other things had been strewn all over the place. Like, it was a disaster. What? And Yeah, and Gene was on his bed curled up and crying, and Robert was just chilling in the corner of the room in his rocking chair completely intact. And Gene's parents were terrified by this because they knew that Gene no kidding. Could, they knew that Gene couldn't have done this by himself. You know, moving the furniture the way that it was moved and throwing all the other stuff the way that it was thrown all over the place. Like Gene couldn't have done that by himself in a couple of seconds. Oh God. And Gene said himself over and over to his parents that Robert had done this. Gene said that Robert wanted to get him in trouble. That became Gene's thing. Robert did it. So, yeah, gets fucking spooky. Not only that, but 
how many kids have been like, you know, so-and-so did it. Yeah, it's like a shitty situation because, you know. It's so bad. Maybe there are kids out there that blame their mistakes on imaginary friends, but, like, is this one of those cases? Or was it, you know, was Robert really trying to <laughs> give it to, to him, tell you, you know? I'm coming for that neck, boy. And... <laughs> <laughs> And after that instance, there were multiple occurrences of random things breaking in the house, seemingly out of nowhere. Oh, man. Yeah, like different pieces of, like, furniture or, like, statues or different, like, heirlooms, I'm guessing. Just different things would just break. And Gene's parents would always confront Gene with this, thinking that he had done it. And Gene said every time through every occurrence that he had not done it, that it was Robert. Wow. So... And needless to say, over the few years after Gene was gifted with Robert, his family, as well as Gene himself, they all became increasingly more and more afraid of the doll. No kidding. Very much so. And even though Gene was afraid of Robert himself, he still remained attached at the hip with him. And like this is a few years after. So here Gene is 12, 13 years old, and he's still continuously talking to Robert. He's continuing to bring Robert to the dinner table and pretend to feed him, as well as take him everywhere else. Like, it's it became a problem. Wow. So there eventually came a point where Gene's parents were like, you know, we can't do this anymore. We need to stop avoiding the issue because it's clearly not going to correct itself. We just need to take Robert away from Gene. Right. And that's exactly what they did. Gene's parents took Robert from Gene and they locked him up in the attic, which... Didn't seem to make Robert very pleased at all. Because, uh, yeah, oh, because no. shortly after Robert was locked up in the attic, the oh, activity no. and the scary occurrences like intensified a lot. Oh no. The house would continuously get woken up by stomping and banging sounds that would be coming from the attic. Even though no one was up there. Several guests that would stay overnight with the Otto family would say that they'd hear continuous children screaming and sobbing. Oh, my also, God. Also coming from the attic, like very scary shit. Ooh. There would also be neighborhood kids that would tell Jean's parents that a doll was watching them through the attic window as they walked down the street by the house. Oh, hell no. And that they could even see him at some times walking back and forth in the attic. All right, I'm going to head out. You said, all right, I'm fucking done. Okay, Robert, bye. Do you? Bye. Bye, Uh Robert. And these occurrences continued pretty consistently for a few years. Robert remained locked in the attic with not one person ever going up there to get him or see him. And as Gene got older, he kind of started weaning himself from his attachment to Robert. He actually would grow up to become a well-known artist in his uh you know early adult years mm. and he eventually moved to New York to pursue his career in art and he even got married to a woman named Anne. That's awesome. Jean's parents however, they stayed behind in that same house along with Robert in the attic. Oh no. It was the mid 1930s when Jean's father would pass away and he actually left Jean the house in his will, you know, the artist house. Yeah. I couldn't find exactly what happened with Jean's mother. I'm unsure as to whether she had already passed when Jean's father passed. I don't know if maybe she moved out after Jean's father died. I'm just kind of unclear about that. But either way, I do know that Jean did inherit his childhood home after his father passed away. And his mother was no longer living there. Oh, wow. So Jean and Anne moved back down to Key West to live in the house. Gene was excited about being back in his childhood home again. He was excited about having Anne with him. Maybe even them starting a family and raising a family in the house that Gene had grown up in, you know? This was just a happy time for Gene. But? But there would be one little problem standing in the way of all this happiness. Can you guess what it is? Ted Babe Robert the doll. Robert. (laughs) (laughs) So... Not long after moving back into the house, Gene actually went into the attic and found Robert and brought him back down into the house. Oh, no. Yep. And get this, the whole weird phenomenon of, like, Gene being unusually attached to Robert started all over again. Oh, no. Gene started having Robert sit with him constantly in his art studio when, you know, he would be painting. Gene was an artist. 
Uh, he started taking Robert out all of the time. Like, it just got weird again very quickly. And Jean's wife was not a fan of this, like, at all. Obviously. She was actually extremely creeped out by Robert. And she was even more creeped out by how her husband was acting with him. Yeah. And it's like, Robert pops in and is like, oh, you mean my husband, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> She's just- looking at Robert like, fuck you, little homewrecker. <laughs> Anne would actually say later that Robert, again, just made her feel extremely uncomfortable. And she would later also tell stories about how she would be in the house doing stuff, cleaning various different chores. And she would hear a child's giggle come from, like, various different rooms. And every time she would check the room that she heard the giggling in, Robert would always be in the room, present and intact, rocking in his chair. All right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> Creepy shit. Needless to say, Anne was not a fan of Robert at all. But Jean refused to let Robert go anywhere. Like, Jean uh, yeah. was, like, creepily protective over this doll. Ew. At one point, Jean even asked Anne if it would be okay if Robert slept in the bed with them. <gasps> And obviously, she was like, uh, no, uh, definitely not. You're not bringing a fucking doll into our what bed, Jean. <laughs> fuck? So, she was not with it. And Jean was like, oh, okay, yeah, true, true. Well, <laughs> well, can he still sleep in the room with us? Because, like, he totally just told me that he wanted to sleep with us. So, like, is that a thing? <laughs> so, <laughs> Jean, done. You're Jean done. and Anne, they kind of compromised, and Anne agreed to let Robert stay in the corner of their room on his rocking chair to please Jean. Oh, God. It wasn't long after this that Anne started experiencing really intense night terrors on a nightly basis. They wouldn't be about anything in specific, but she was waking up in the middle of the night every night just screaming and crying. I and just hear, you mean my husband, bitch? Uh, like- you mean my husband, bitch? <laughs> Oh, we finna see. This is an A-B conversation because we are fixing to see. (laughs) Uh, She noted later, uh, Anne, that every time she would wake up from these night terrors, that the first thing she would see when she woke up every time would be Robert. Oh, hell no. Like staring at her. So No, thank you. So this whole Robert sleeping in the room... And shut this shit down quickly. She was like, you know what, Jean? Uh, actually, I can't handle him being in here anymore. I'm having night terrors. I feel like he's staring at me, all this other weird shit. You're being weird. He's being weird. This is not helping me at all. I just don't feel comfortable with him around me, so he needs to fucking go. That, right. That, that's basically where Anne was at. And Jean got, like, really angry by this. Like, he got mad that Anne was attacking Robert. And this actually caused a huge fight between them. Gene was 100% on Robert's side versus his wife's. What the hell? Robert literally started crumbling Gene's and Anne's marriage. Gene continued to want to take him everywhere he went, even on dates with Anne. Oh, hell no. Yeah, and would be like, you know, you know, babe, this is a little unnecessary. Like, do, do we really have to bring a fucking doll to our dinner dates? Like, really? You know, you're not a child. You're 30. And Jean would be like, well, why are you being weird to me? <laughs> Robert's just a doll. Children bring dolls everywhere. Why can't we just bring him out? He doesn't inconvenience us. Children do this all the time. And it's like, well, yeah, you're 34. So, you know, we need to figure it out. That's literally how this went. Like... <laughs> <laughs> here gene is he's well into his 30s or even his early 40s at this point and he's still this attached to robert and it's like fucking up everything for him Fuck. insane shit actually gene i want a divorce <laughs> either it's me or it's robert you too but uh gene he started having very extreme mood swings too okay. like Ones that would scare Anne severely. Like, he'd be all chipper and happy one moment. Then the next second, he'd be violently angry, throwing things and hitting things. And then the next after, he'd be crying and wanting to apologize. Like, when Anne would try to talk to him or level with him, Gene would just say, I'm so sorry. It's Robert's fault. Robert did it. Oh, my God. Actually, Gene, you can have full custody. <laughs> <laughs> You're in his bed. I've been scaring the dog shit out of him since he was 10 years old. We are not the same. (laughs) One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) 
So after a few years into the marriage, Jean actually started becoming physically abusive towards Anne. Oh no! Yeah, I know it's fucking awful. His mood swings had elevated to pure violence. Anne became terrified of Jean essentially, and Jean continued to blame not only the physical abuse but every other problem that he, as well as they, as in Anne and Jean as a couple, anything they had to do that was wrong was blamed on Robert. Jean would consistently say Robert did it, and this is how Anne lived with Jean until the very end. Because you know, back then divorce wasn't really an option, right. so like she stayed with him and endured all this shit with Robert. Robert stayed in the picture the whole time. Oh, um, God. And it would be the summer of 1974 that Jean would pass away. Anne would state later that, quote, in the months leading up to his death and as his health failed, he spent most of his time alongside Robert speaking to him, end quote. After Jean's passing, Anne moved away and the house went up for sale. Now, when the house went on the market... Robert was still in it. Oh my god. Yeah, and what about the and was like, fuck you, bitch. I ain't about to take you nowhere. You can sit here and die. I'm like, she she she's like, you ruined my whole life, my whole marriage. You could buy. Uh, buy she's just gonna leave it for the next family. That's crazy. So yeah, Robert was still in this house. So shortly after Jean's death, one of Jean's neighbors bought the auto family home for one of their friends, a woman named Myrtle. And unknowingly to her, Myrtle would become the new caretaker for Robert. Oh, God. Robert did not like this arrangement, I don't think, because only a few weeks after Myrtle moved in, the neighbor that had bought the house for Myrtle, his wife died due to carbon monoxide poisoning from, like, a leak in their car. What? Scary coincidence? We don't know. Is that still scary? Yes. Or did Robert do it? That's what I'm saying. Scary coincidence? Or was Robert trying to give it to her? You know? <laughs> we don't know. So, after moving into the home, Myrtle found Robert, and she, too, became very fond of him at first. She started taking up a lot of her time with Robert, taking him places, displaying him all over the house, getting him gifts, even. She just... Like, Jean got really attached to Robert. Oh, wow. That is, until she started having her own very creepy occurrences with Robert. It wasn't long before she would start hearing a deep voice coming from different rooms, as well as being woken up by the sounds of children screaming and crying through the night. Just all sort of scary shit. Robert was back up to the same shit. Oh, God. Myrtle became very afraid of Robert very quickly, and she decided that she needed to get rid of Robert for good. Like, unlike Jean's family, Myrtle was playing no games. She was like, uh, actually... Uh, no, bye. You need to go now. So, this is not going to work. So, That's you because know. Robert was like, oh, oh, I'm yours now. You want to display me everywhere? Well, guess what, bitch? Hello! You want a piece of my pie? You're going to have to be nice for it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Myrtle did not play around with any of this. Like, the minute the really extreme shit started happening with the banging noises and the children screaming and crying and the hearing the voices, she was like, fuck this. So, she came to the conclusion that the scary experiences wouldn't stop unless she found someone who could take Robert. So after a few months of searching, she finally found somewhere to take Robert. And that place was the East Martello Museum located in Key West. Okay. Myrtle had contacted the director of the museum and she told him about what was happening with Robert and how she was afraid of him and she just literally couldn't handle having him anymore. Right. So the museum agreed to take Robert in. So Myrtle gave him over, and uh, get this shit, this is kind of a little scary, don't know how true it is, but a few sources that I read said that Myrtle died three months after donating Robert. Oh, wow. Isn't that some chilling shit? Yeah. Still today, Robert is displayed at the East Martello Museum. He's kept in a glass box, sitting up on a rocking chair with his stuffed lion, and since Robert's donation... East Martello has upheld very strict rules for people that are wanting to visit him. And this is kind of where the whole I'm sorry thing with Robert comes into play. Okay. But the biggest rule they have, this museum, is that if you're visiting Robert under no circumstance should you take his photo without asking Robert's permission. 
Like that is a very big rule that you literally should ask that you have to ask him if it's okay. And there were obviously a lot of people who didn't do this. Well, it wasn't long after, you know, Robert became a public exhibit that hundreds and hundreds of people started writing letters to Robert telling him that they were sorry that they telling him that they were sorry that they did not ask permission before taking their photos and they would write in detail about all of the misfortune that had came into their life after visiting Robert and taking his photo without asking like there are some people that reported that their significant other or different family members or children died there's a really horrific car accidents reported People getting really sick, uh, coming down with conditions like cancer and other just crazy shit. There are hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of letters that are sent to Robert saying sorry. And when you go visit Robert in his exhibit, his little glass box that he's in, his whole little room is literally covered head to toe in all of the letters. Oh, wow. That people have written him begging him to lift the curse that he had inflicted. And there was even one point that the East Martello had to, like, shut down their email temporarily because their email was also getting flooded with these I'm sorry letters to the point to where, like, it backed their shit up. Wow. they, they They literally couldn't handle the traffic of everything that was coming in. So, to this very day, you can still see Robert sitting in his chair with his lion at East Martello. And, yes, it is absolutely a thing that you should probably ask permission before you take his picture or, you know. That's wild. You don't want to end up cursed by Robert. And when you see a lot of people on social media or anywhere that post pictures of Robert, that's why you have the flood of people saying, I'm sorry, because it's like, I'm apologizing for looking at your photo without permission. It's like the same thing, and people just don't take a chance with it. So anytime you see Robert... You're supposed to greet him with, I'm sorry. And that is the story of Robert the doll. Wow. (laughs) Wow. He's a creepy one. He's a real creepy one. Yeah, that's... And I know you said in the beginning of this that you hadn't previously heard Robert's story. Like, you knew who he was, but you didn't exactly know the legend behind Robert. So now that you've heard it, like, what do you think? Do you believe it? Do you... I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too he's a weird one so obviously this has to be some sort of i don't know if it would be labeled as like a demonic infestation a lot of people say robert is demonic so yeah yeah there's a lot of terms i mean a lot of people say he's cursed with like voodoo other people say he's possessed yeah either way you know something dark attached to him well i was thinking like there's a huge difference between demonic possession and demonic infestation apparently Mm -hmm. according to the warrens the case of robert though i absolutely 100 percent believe this just mainly because of like my own ghost experiences that i've had right um you know people think you sound crazy when you can actually sit there and tell them about this unbelievably crazy thing that have just happened to you you know it's 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 wild it's hard to wrap your head around and there are some gray area to you know these stories obviously it's alleged we can't sit here and say what's for true and what isn't so you know our listeners let us know what you think on this part of the episode do you believe in the curse of robert Either way, I kind of agree with you, though. I honestly, again, I I do believe it. it. Yeah, I believe it. And before we segue here into your snippet on good old Miss Annabelle, I would like to close this out by uh, saying sorry, Robert. (laughs) Sorry, Robert. This story takes us to Monroe, Connecticut, within the walls of the Warren's Occult Museum. Behind a glass and wood case bearing a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer, there sits a somewhat large Raggedy Ann doll named Annabelle. Oh, God. There is a sign on the front of this case that says, Warning, positively do not open. 
She sits in her chair with a smile on her face under the mop of red hair and her black round eyes staring out to those who would dare to stand next to the case, <laughs> seemingly having some sort of life behind those eyes. To the max! So Annabelle is known to be one of the most haunted dolls in the world, along with Robert the Doll, with hundreds of people from all over the world visiting her to see for themselves if they believe her story or not. I do want to make a note with this origin story, though. There's been some name discrepancies. So whether it was a way to protect the actual people this happened to, but their names are either Deidre, Laura, and Kel, or it's Donna, Angie, and Lou. Gotcha, gotcha. So that was the only discrepancy that I came across. Her story begins back in 1970. For her 25th birthday, Deidre Bernard received the doll from her mother. Her mother had given her the doll in hopes that it would bring some cheer to her apartment while she was studying to be a nurse. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's a sweet little quirky gift, you know, an old, like, it's a big-sized Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, see, Raggedy Ann dolls just normally have always kind of made me a little uncomfortable but like when i learned that annabelle was actually a raggedy and doll, i was just like oh <laughs> i'm i don't want to do this anymore i'm not comfortable with this i anymore. used to own a raggedy and doll growing up did you really yes i did oh, i did yeah, creepy creepy <laughs> so deidre developed a routine with annabelle and i gather she would either like have annabelle seated somewhere nearby or like on her bed but every time she sat Annabelle somewhere, she would leave, like, her arms and legs kind of outstretched. Mm -hmm. Well, she and her friends noticed strange behavior coming from the doll. Deidre started to notice that Annabelle's arms and legs would change positions on their own. Oh, my goodness. That is so creepy. Sometimes Annabelle's legs would be crossed and occasionally... Her arms would be crossed or, like, sitting in her lap. What the fuck? Sometimes she would find Annabelle's arms reaching outwards, almost as if gesturing that she wanted to be picked up. Oh, no. And even weirder, Annabelle would also change rooms on her own. And this obviously made Deidre and her friends feel uncomfortable around the doll. Yeah, I can imagine so. Like, <laughs> you know for a fact you left the doll in the living room. But then, you know, you turn around and she's, like, in the kitchen or something, you know? Yeah, like, not cool. She teleports not a, a lot. It's not a vibe. One night, Deidre returned home with her roommate, Laura Clifton, who was another nurse in training, and Laura's fiancé, Kel Randall. Okay. Once they opened the door, they found Annabelle kneeling before them on a chair. What? When Annabelle had been originally left on Deidre's bed. Oh, my. See, that's creepy. Like, the whole, like, them moving by themselves and, like, angling their bodies in different positions. Like, that's... She's a raggedy and doll. It's like, Andy's coming. Drop everything. <laughs> right? That's... Oh, it's creepy. Oh, it's creepy. So, they moved Annabelle and tried to get her to kneel again. However, because Annabelle didn't have joints or, like, any parts that could support her on her own, mm -hmm. she would continuously flop over every time they tried to recreate the position they found her in. That is so weird. Then they suspected an unnatural force was moving the doll and placing it in this kneeling position. Because it's literally just fabric and cotton filling. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier when I was like, she's just a raggedy and doll. Like, my point after that was going to be like, there's no structure there to stand up or to do anything. Right. Just flimsy. Right. So, uh, so the fact that she was kneeling... Yeah, just crazy. Uh, but that's not all. The scary occurrences with Annabelle only got weirder and weirder and more frequent as time passed. Oof. Deidre started finding these notes around her apartment that were written in pencil on, like, torn pieces of parchment paper. No, ma'am. Right. They would read, help us or help Kel on them. Again, no, ma'am. Deidre would find these notes and get super creeped out by them, and understandably so. She even took some of the notes she would find to Laura to see if maybe 
she was the one doing it. Right. And it turned out that Laura was not writing these notes. Deidre and Laura didn't even have parchment paper or pencils in their apartment at all. What the fuck? So it was like materializing out of nothing. Right. Oh, my God. Assuming that someone was breaking into their home to play these tricks on them, they began to mark the windows and doors to make sure they weren't tampered with. Mm -hmm. Everything they did to try to give them the upper hand against this unknown person that they thought was coming into their apartment, none of it did any good. They never got any evidence of anyone breaking in? There was no sign of anything being changed or tampered with. What the hell? They came home to find Annabelle's hands had been covered in what they assumed was blood. Uh, uh, Did did you just hear that stutter? Like, what? I just stuttered. I'm so sorry. (laughs) She had three drops of blood on her chest and blood all over her hands. What? Oh, my gosh. Take a shot every time I say, what? (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) But naturally, as you can imagine, like... Both Laura and Deidre were, like, terrified. Yeah, terrified. I, I literally couldn't even imagine you come home and your fucking Raggedy Ann doll has blood on its hands. Like, what you been doing, Annabelle? Right, right, exactly. And, like, the three drops on the chest. Yeah, that's it's like, weird. what? That's weird. Oh, that's So, weird. they did the only thing they could think of at the time, and that was to contact a psychic medium. Mm-hmm. The medium said there was a seven-year-old girl, like, the spirit of a girl... Named Annabelle Higgins residing within the doll. Mm -hmm. She said that the girl told her that she would play in the area long before these houses were built. And the land was nothing but fields. Oh, wow. It's still a mystery how the young girl died, though. But she would roam these fields and, you know, stay in a place where she was once happy. It's like that's where her spirit was attached, basically. Right. So, apparently, when the apartment buildings were built, she would move around the apartments in search of someone who would notice her and play with her. But, of course, you've got all these people in this apartment who more than likely have jobs. Yeah. You know, no one really noticed or... Life is still a bit busy. Right. Exactly. So, the girl was using the doll as a means to be alive and very much part of the living there in the apartment with the women. So, this spirit girl then asked the medium if she could live in the doll and be with Deirdre and Laura. Oh, no. Touched by her story, the two women said yes. Oh, God. So, the spirit of Annabelle took residence inside the... The Raggedy Ann doll. They gave permission. They gave it permission. You're not supposed to give it permission. And this would be the turning point. They've given the spirit permission to live in this doll. And they opened that doorway. And they began to treat the doll as if she was Annabelle. A real child. Oh my goodness. Ooh, chills. Goosey bumps. Goosey bumps. Kel, Laura's fiance. He wasn't on board with any of this. He thought no good would come from this, and he would be right. He saw it as a voodoo doll of sorts, some sort of black magic, and believed they were inviting this evil into their apartment. So he didn't believe the story of Annabelle Higgins? Then. Not at all. Gotcha. He, he He was like, no good can come from this. This is a curse. Like, we gotta get this out of here. That that type of vibe. She's giving freaking out in the club vibes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, Annabelle saw right through his intentions and saw him as a threat. Oh, my goodness. In the weeks that followed, Kel would suffer nightmares staying at the apartment. And ultimately, it would lead to Kel waking up in a panic to see Annabelle levitating, like gliding over his body. What the fuck? And before he could react in the darkness, Annabelle's hands were placed around his neck. Can you imagine flimsy little raggedy air hand <laughs> strangling you? I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm here to say that that would scare the piss out of me. I mean, 
think about her tiny little hands. How it looks like a little sock. You just open up like this and <laughs> just strangle you to you death. Strangle you. Wring your neck out. So he could feel himself being strangled and noted her big black eyes staring back at him. Oh hell no. As no. hard as he pushed Annabelle to get her off of him, the doll wouldn't budge. It was as if he was pushing against a wall. Oh my god. This doll was not budging. After a lot of effort, he managed to free himself, but Annabelle wouldn't forget his insult so easily. Oh, no. Could you imagine, like, the thought process of trying to say that was real and that happened? And he's like, damn, I'm a grown-ass man that got choked the fuck out by a doll. By a raggedy Ann doll. <laughs> like, I just got got by a raggedy Ann doll. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I could not imagine that. I could not imagine. So, Kel and Laura were alone one night in the apartment, and Kel heard a noise from Deidre's bedroom. When he went to investigate, he found Annabelle thrown on the floor in the corner of the room. Oh, goodness. He approaches Annabelle by himself. Laura isn't around. Mm -hmm. And he immediately doubles over in pain, as he can feel... Seven razor-sharp claw marks in his chest. Holy shit. When Laura came to investigate, I'm sure Kel was screaming. Uh, She found Kel with a large amount of blood on his shirt. And it was then that they began to actually fear for their lives. (laughs) Annabelle pops into Laura. Oh, you mean my fiancé, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I had to do it again. I had to do it. She moves in real close to Kel's ears and goes, I told you I was a (laughs) (laughs) man-eater. Goodness gracious. Deidre, Laura, and Kel contacted their local priest, and he contacted his superiors with the particulars of the case. This was when Ed and Lorraine Warren were contacted and told the story of Annabelle and the attacks that had been happening to them. Spooky, spooky. It's always spooky if the Warrens are involved. (laughs) So arriving at their apartment, the Warrens listened to all three of them as they covered their testimonies of the events that took place with Annabelle. Mm -hmm. The Warrens then diagnosed his case as a demonic infestation. Oof. There had never been an Annabelle, and it was just a trick by an inhuman demonic spirit that was delivered through the mouth of a medium. Woo-wee. Demons will often take form as children, as you know, to um, to get what they want, to get you to trust them, to go along with their trickery. That is common folklore. Right. So by giving permission for this entity to enter the doll, they open themselves up for this demonic attack. The Warrens believed that there was actually a demonic force in search of a human host within Annabelle and not a benevolent soul like the medium claimed. Oh my goodness. The Warrens' account of the case states... Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. The spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Holy moly. The Warrens further stated that if it went unchecked, the demonic entity would have killed all three of them within the next coming weeks. Ooh, Annabelle, you are wilding. (laughs) She's just out here wilding. (laughs) So the Warrens reached out to the priests and asked them to perform an exorcism on the apartment. They not only blessed the apartment, but they also blessed Kel, Laura, and Deidre. Gotcha. The Warrens then took Annabelle with them back to their home. Kel, Laura, and Deidre were now free from Annabelle, but Ed and Lorraine Warren would soon find out that Annabelle was angry. While driving with Annabelle in the back seat, the car would stall out. And the power steering and brakes would also quit. Goodness. And Ed even said that there were times where he had absolutely no control over the car at all. Shit. Several times during the drive, they came insanely close to a fatal accident. And the third time, the car stalled on them. 
Ed basically got fed up. So he pulled a vial of holy water out of his equipment bag. And he went, eh, eh, and, and then just slung exactly, it on her. Exactly. He just started sprinkling it on her, like just, eh, eh, like you would do a cat. <laughs> <laughs> the imagery is too much. <laughs> so the rest of the drive home after that was fine. No problems whatsoever. It's a miracle that they even made it back to their home. Like, could you imagine what that drive would be like? <laughs> Absolutely not. Sitting up front, pissing yourself because you feel this big-ass evil energy behind you. Coming from this damn murderous raggedy and all. <laughs> and it's messing with the car and you're almost about to die. Like, props to Ed and Lorraine for dealing with that for real because my little ass would have wigged out and crashed. <laughs> yeah, see, me, I would have prevented way before this. That doll wouldn't have came home with me. I wouldn't have taken it home. I would have been like, that sounds like an issue, not an ish me. Take good care of your doll. See you next time. So once home, Ed placed Annabelle in a chair next to his desk. And over the next few days, the Warren stated that Annabelle would levitate and appear in different rooms of the house without them moving her to these rooms. Oh, my goodness. Annabelle, you need to calm down. She, you're in timeout, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> One time while home alone, Lorraine reported loud rolling growls that would reverberate through the house. Oh, my God. Oh, that's chilling. There was one time a priest showed up to talk to the Warrens about a recent case involving Annabelle. And during the conversation, apparently there was some discourse. And this priest picked up Annabelle and said, you're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anything. And then Annabelle said, uh, newsflash, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately Ed warned the priest not to say such a thing ever again. Yeah, I don't blame him, goodness. When it came time for the priest to leave, Lorraine made sure to warn him to drive carefully. Oh, goodness. Yeah. She claimed that her clairvoyance warned her of the tragedy regarding this young priest. And hours later, the priest's brakes had failed and the car was totaled in a near-fatal accident. Goodness. She was not fucking around. She no. was like, oh, I can't hurt nothing? Okay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Try me. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't a stroller, though. Don't push me. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the following years, more incidents of paranormal phenomena, including Annabelle, had occurred, including at least one death. Oh, my goodness. I think said, I, I think I kind of know about that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's said that Annabelle has led multiple people to get into car crashes after they disrespected her. A guy and his girlfriend had come to visit the museum to see Annabelle. Mm -hmm. He was a skeptic, and he wanted to show off, you know, in front of his girlfriend, like, you know, big Tommy Tough Nuts over here. Uh, Tommy so, Tough Nuts. Oh so he began knocking on her case, and he was taunting Annabelle, saying, you're just a doll. You can't hurt anyone. I'm not afraid of you. Oh, no. You know, just being an asshole. Pretty much. After leaving the museum... The couple rode off on his motorcycle, and he ended up wrecking his bike, and it killed him, but the girlfriend survived. My goodness. She stated that she believed it was because of Annabelle, and it was her paying him back for his insults. So, obviously, the situation had become so dangerous that Ed and Lorraine encased Annabelle. Oh, like, my goodness. I Actually, I think... I think that they encased Annabelle before the guy showed up and was being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my timeline was off a little bit there. But it's believed that the Warrens took Deidre, Laura, and Kel at face value because Lorraine was able to use her clairvoyance to know the truth of her words. Mm. No evidence was collected at the young woman's apartment. However... It was reported that there was a noticeable difference in change of atmosphere at the apartment after it was blessed and Annabelle was removed. So sometime after having Annabelle, they went back to check on Deidre and her roommate to see how 
their place um, was, basically. No, this was basically just kind of some information to answer the question, well, what happened to Laura Calendidra? Yeah. Like, did things clear up? So that's basically just me covering that question. Gotcha, uh, sorry gotcha. if that was unclear. No, it's good. Um, I was just making the point they didn't gather really any evidence after taking Yeah, they Annabelle. didn't. They didn't at all. They basically sat there, listened to what they had to say, took Annabelle, blessed the house, blessed the people, and they took her from there. It was like a cut, dry, no weaning, no nothing. It was just... Gotcha. They gotcha. didn't stick around to see Annabelle changing in different rooms. Instead, they took her home and got their own experience of what they said gotcha. was going on. Gotcha. So they on. pretty much decided immediately just to take her in. Yeah, but it was said that because Lorraine had clairvoyance, that she could see the truth of what they were telling her. So gotcha. she knew it wasn't bullshit. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So at the museum, a priest regularly comes to the museum to bless the room that Annabelle is in. And Judy Warren, Ed Lorraine's daughter, wasn't allowed to look at the doll at all, but especially her eyes. Oh, goodness. Not even Lorraine Warren will stare at the doll because she felt that Annabelle did harm to the ones who interacted with her. Oh, goodness. And even the Warren's son-in-law said that Annabelle is what he is most frightened of in the museum, despite knowing the museum is filled with hundreds of other haunted objects. Oh my goodness. The story of Annabelle sparked Hollywood's interest during the creative process of putting together the Conjuring series. Mm-hmm. I did happen to watch the movies, but it's been so long ago, I can't really remember like the story and everything. Yeah, but, I've seen them. I've seen them. Yeah, they. It, it was almost like they did a Salt Bay little sprinkle of you know the legend in there, but the rest of it was pretty much Hollywoodized. Pretty much. But I like that Hollywoodized. <laughs> right. <laughs> But just how much of Annabelle's story is real? Is the real Annabelle doll truly a vessel for a demonic spirit in search of a human host? Or is she simply a child's toy used as a prop for wildly profitable ghost stories? You guys can decide that. But Ed Warren passed away on August 23rd, 2006. And Lorraine passed away April 18th, 2019. I remember when that happened. I remember, too. It was very sad. And they were both buried at Stepney Cemetery located in Monroe, Connecticut. The ownership of their occult museum was passed to their daughter, Judy, and their son-in-law, Tony. Annabelle is still there. Oh, I want to go see her and Robert so bad. I'm not going to go in there talking shit because I actually believe in them. But I would love to see Annabelle and Robert. Like Like in real life? Yeah, like can you imagine? In her glass case, decorated with the devil tarot card, as well as strict instructions to not taunt nor disrespect her, Annabelle sits today at the Warrens Museum, awaiting all who are brave enough to visit her. To this day, she is also blessed by a priest twice a week. Every week. So, that concludes the story of Annabelle. How do you feel about it? Uh, I've known the story of Annabelle. There were a couple of details you had in there that I didn't know. Okay. Like, the blood thing... I think I had read a time or two, but for whatever reason, I didn't really retain that. So that was kind of a shock when you said that. I was like, uh, yeah, fucking creepy. Uh, In conclusion, these dolls are creepy. And in conclusion, I believe in both of them and I am afraid. (laughs) (laughs) I will not be stepping one toe out of line. Thank you very fucking much. (laughs) Right. But honestly, this episode was so much fun. Yes, it was. I had so much fun with this, you know. The topic at hand, we are talking ghost stories. This is all alleged. We're not here to say concretely that one thing or the other is true. But, you know, it's October and it's fun. And we told two of the most well-known ghost stories out there, too, that I believe in. Personally, you listening, you can make your own opinion. But this was fun. I will never cross either one of them. Same. I'm good on all that. I have enough problems in my life where I'm just sitting in the driver's seat going, woo! 
right. you know, but <laughs> we, de- we definitely don't need a curse doll to make that any exactly. Worse. Exactly. So to you listening, we hope you enjoyed this very different episode of me and Ray both kind of giving a bit of our storytelling. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the two stories in one. It was spooky. Spooky. We hope it creeped you out the way it creeped us out. Yes. It was honestly super fun. And we're going to continue to do something like this with the spooky throughout the rest of this month, you know, so. And if, as always, if you have any suggestions, feel free to throw it to us. Whether in, it be true crime or spooky, we want to hear it. Right. Regardless of what the story is, we love you guys' suggestions and I love getting into them. Yes, I love same. all of your requests. So keep them rolling in. Same, definitely, definitely. And if you would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird, weird. well, you definitely can. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. And Twitter at Gore Report. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sufficiently creeped out. Time to watch cartoons and game and uh, get this off our minds. Exactly. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.